What a great joy it is to be in a mission conference. I have been in about 2,000 of them. And uh, I often like to think, as we start a mission conference, of the definition of a mission conference. And here it is, okay? It's my definition, okay? A mission conference is a local church in business meeting deciding the fate of the heathen. And that means what you do with what you hear and see this week will determine whether some people get to hear the gospel and have an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or whether they live all of their lives and never, never hear. Thank you, uh, Dr. Wilkerson, for inviting me to come. I'm an old man, okay? I was in a conference in... Uh, Lewis Avenue Baptist Church not long ago, and we ate dinner in the basement, and as I was coming up the steps, there's a little, beautiful little girl standing at the top of the steps. And she said to me, she said, Sir, you look old. <laughs> and I said, Hon, the reason I look old is because I am old, okay? <laughs> and a few months after that, I was in Wilson, North Carolina at Tabernacle Baptist Church and having lunch with Mrs. Brother Mrs. Shakur. And uh, she had been many, many years a member of the Temple Baptist Church in Herndon, Virginia, where I go every year for many, many years. And uh, during the midst of the meal, she said, Brother Sis, and she's probably 35 to 40 years old, something like that. But she said, Brother Sis, I remember your coming to our church when I was a little girl. And said, you were old then. <laughs> Dr. Wilson, uh, many years ago, I got about as old and ugly as you can get. And uh, so now I'm about the same, okay? Look at Luke chapter 6, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. And just two verses. And in these verses, the Lord explains to us the matter of cause and effect. He tells us to do something or not do something, and then he gives us the results of that. In verse 37, he says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. In other words, if you will not be so judgmental uh, about other people, then other people will not be so judgmental against you. That's a good idea, amen. And then he says, Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Have you ever thought of the fact that it's a whole lot easier to condemn somebody for something than it is to commend them. But guess what? Condemning people don't help them. Commending them does. By the way, fellas, if you go home today and your, meal, your wife has prepared a good meal for you, it would be a good idea to commend her. If you don't, you'll be eating TV dinners like me, okay? And by the way, it wouldn't hurt to com commend your children sometimes. If we're not careful, we'll look for things to condemn people rather than things to commend them. And, and then he said, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. And by the way, don't we all need that? Uh, if you want to be forgiven, then uh, you forgive others. Now, look at verse 38. Here's another cause and effect. Give 
and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Okay? So here's the same thing. You give, and it shall be given unto you. By the way, God must have loved the word love. Because in our English Bible, it is found 811 times. Now, to be sure, when we read all of these things, many times it's talking about what God has given us. And by the way, everything we have came from God. Every good and every perfect gift comes from him, whom is never boundless and is shadow of turning. So, so everything belongs to him. But... In this particular passage, Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you to give. And I really think he's talking about giving to God. Uh, now, uh, you're not going to make God richer, okay? He created and controls the entire universe. Through faith, we understand that the world not just planet Earth, but the entire universe, the worlds were framed by the word of God. In other words, God spoke the world into existence. Now, you might say, now, Brother Sis, you're from Kentucky, and you're old, so they probably didn't know about the Big Bang Theory when you were in high school and so forth. And uh, you're right, I am old, and we didn't know much, okay? But could I explain to you this morning, I believe in the um, Big Bang Theory. God spoke, and bang, there it was, okay? And by the way, that's exactly the way it happened, and God said, and it was, and God said, and it was. So he, he created the entire universe, and by the way, according to Colossians 1.17, he created it himself, and he created for himself. So it all belongs to him. Now, think about it. God that created the entire universe, God that controls everything, why would he want somebody like me to give him anything? Or right, here's the reason. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. In other words, God has some things he wants to give you. Okay. And by the way, that happens when you begin to do what he told you to do. Give. And look how he said, given it shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run over, shall men given to your book. In, in other words, it's a good agricultural illustration. And uh, uh, Jesus is saying, now, now here's a farmer He's got a basket, and he's putting wheat in it, and he, and he fills it all the way up to the top. Then he takes his hands, and he pushes it down, and, and then he shakes it together, and then he fills it up all again, all the way to the top when it's running over. And you know what he was saying? I want you to know that whatever you give to God will be given back to you in a much greater way. So he gives this illustration of a farm. Uh, how many of you are old enough to remember the phrase, baker's dozen? Okay. 
Few of you admit it, most of you won't. You might you sure you go to the bakery. And rather than giving you twelve donuts when you order a dozen, they give you thirteen. That's a baker's dozen. Now, that's a different generation. I think now if you go to the bakery and buy a dozen donuts, you'll get eleven, okay? But but that's a different generation. But God is saying to us, there's some things I want you to give me. And when you give me them, I want you to know that you're going to get something a whole lot better. Now, there are several words that are similar. Give, yield, commit, present. Not the very same, but very, very similar. And we could talk about a lot of things, but I, I want you to notice three things that I am absolutely positive. That everyone in this auditorium, everyone that's listening online, doesn't matter how they listen, God wants every one of us to give him something. Number one, he wants us to give him our soul. He wants us to yield to him our soul. He wants us to commit to him our soul. He wants us to permit or, or to present to him our soul. And that's the most important thing in the whole world. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You say, Brother says, how do you know that God desires that every one of us present our soul to him? Very simple. He says in his word, God is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward uh, to, to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God wants every one of you listening today to present to yield, to commit your soul to him. Ain't no question about it. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved. All 7.9 billion people of them. All men to be saved and come to the knowledge of God. Okay. Have a good thought. Think about the time when you committed, you presented, you yielded, you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, that happened to me when I was uh, 16 years old. That's been more than 10 years ago, okay? In fact, it's been 76 years ago. Or, or 72 years ago. I'm sorry, my math's bad. What happened that night when I was invited to go to a Youth for Christ meeting? And when the invitation was given, I went forward. And a Baptist preacher came and dealt with me. And uh, that night, I realized I was a sinner. I knew that before I went to church. I realized that if I died in my sin, I'd go to hell. I knew that before I went to church. I knew that Jesus Christ had died for my sin, was buried and resurrected. And that night, in a simple prayer, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I didn't see any lights going off. I didn't... 
feel any liquid love running up down my spine. <laughs> but I tell you what I did do. I got up off my knees that night and I had a peace in my heart I'd never had before. There is therefore now no condemnation. I didn't know that verse. There's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. What happened that night? I went to church on my way to hell, and I went home on my way to heaven. In fact, I used to lay on my bed and hope I don't die tonight. I hope I don't die tonight. If I died tonight, I'd go to hell. And I went home that night and lay on that same bed, and all I could think was, if I died tonight, I'd wake up in heaven. And by the way, I've come pretty close to death several times, and I've always thought, okay, we're, we're going home, okay? We thought we were going home to Chattanooga, but we may be going home to be with the Lord when we had an emergency on an airplane. What happened that night? Oh, my sins were forgiven. He put them in the deepest sea, never to be remembered again. Put them as far over as the east is from the west. What happened that night? I got a new life. When I went to church, I had physical life, I didn't have any spiritual life. But when I left that night, I had some spiritual life. And I knew it the next morning when I woke up, and the first thought I had was, I better go to church. And uh, that wasn't the thought I usually had on Sunday. But I went to church, and guess what? Church had changed. It was interesting. Uh, the singing was good. I mean, you know, even the preacher was there. And I thought, man, this church has changed. It had. I had changed. Amen. I never will forget. And it was in a geography class where my friend invited me to go to Youth for Christ with him. And uh, when they went to geography class that day, or, or geometry, not geography, geometry class, and everything that Miss Gladys would ask, I knew the answer. And she said, Don, you seem to be extremely bright this morning. And I thought, getting saved makes you smarter. Now, I'm not promising straight A's if you do. You think of all the things I got when I gave, presented, yielded, committed my soul to him. Number two, God wants me to give him myself. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are saved by faith, by grace, through faith. No question about that, okay? Nothing we do is going to change that. But the next verse says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. In other words, uh, we do not work in order to be saved, but if we're saved, we will work. We'll do good work. What does it mean to commit myself to him? I believe this is what it means. Number one, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. By the way, if a lot more people said that, there'd be a lot more missionaries on the mission fields. I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll give anything you want me to give. He wants us to present ourselves to him. And I think about that. Lord, 
Why would you want somebody like me? But it doesn't matter who you are. He wants you. You say, that would be dangerous to say, I'd go anywhere God wants me to go. I'd be anything God wants me to be. I'd do any. If, if I did that, God would make me miserable the rest of my life. And you have a very low concept of your father, amen? amen. I had a good friend, Ron Bishop, who's basketball coach and uh, athletic director at Tennessee Temple. And I've heard Ron give his testimony. He got saved like I did about 15, 16 years old. But I've heard him tell this time after time. He said, I went to a Christian camp right after I got saved. And uh, when I went to Christian camp, there were a lot of counselors from the university near there and Christian University. And he said, I saw this one counselor. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen in my life. I couldn't take my eyes off her. And I got such a crutch on her. You know, young boys, sometimes they get crutch on young older girls. And he said, during that camp, I heard missionaries say, I told God I'd go anywhere but Africa, and God sent me to Africa. I told God I'd go anywhere but Russia, and God sent me to Russia. I told God I'd go anywhere but China, and God sent me to China. And Ron said, I started praying, dear God, don't make me marry that girl <laughs> and go to Hawaii as a missionary. And sure enough, he didn't know no. God, listen to it, listen to it carefully. God reserves the very best for those who leave the choice to him. Amen. So God wants me to present my soul to him that's precious to him. God wants me to present myself to him. Now, here's the shocker. And God wants me to give my substance to him. And I think about that, and I said, oh, Lord, have you seen my checkbook? <laughs> you know, with all you have, you want me to give you what I've got. But he does. Number one, I am absolutely positive that God wants every one of us to give at least 10% of everything he gives us back to him. That's called the tithe. Brother Wilkerson, I, I first learned about that, and I think I'd heard messages about it before, but if I did, it just went in one ear and out the other, like a lot of messages do when you hear them. But Brother W.E. Jones over at Black Oak Baptist Church preached a very simple message on Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? Did you rob me? And, and he, he, he taught, okay, the tithe is one-tenth of everything God gives you. Uh, if, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. He didn't say that this morning, but I think and you're robbing yourself, okay? Because then he promises, if you do tithe, then I'll bless you. So he preached a very simple message on tithing. I sat there as a young married man, 1952, and I went forward at the end of the service, and I said, Brother Jones, I believe what you preach today from this day forward, Everything God gives me, I'll give at least one-tenth of that back to God through my local church. Hey, guess what? Brother Jones told the congregation about that day. And when he did, the treasurer didn't jump up and say, well, praise God, now that Don's going to be a tither, our financial problems are over. 
I was making $40 a week, a dollar an hour, working at King's Foundry in Griffith, Indiana. It didn't make an impact on the church, but it made an impact on me. It proved to me that if I'd do what God told me to do, that God would do what he told me I'd do. He would take care of me. Now, I, I, I was pretty legalistic to start with, but if I worked a few hours overtime, made $43, I'd give $4.30. Okay, I didn't want to do it. And I, I still meet people that are a little bit legalistic, and they, they ask questions like this. Brother Sid, do you believe that we ought to tithe off our gross income or our net income? Have you ever heard that? Sure, yeah. You've asked it some of us. And I've got a pat answer for that, okay? God has promised to bless you if you give the time. Now, you have to decide you want his gross blessings or net blessings, okay? <laughs> so that's up to you. In 1968, 16 years later, home on furlough from Japan, and I preached a mission conference at Marquette Manor Baptist Church where Dr. Wayne Van Gilderen was pastor. And they had never initiated faith promise, so they had Dr. Billy McCarroll, pastor of the Cicero Bible Church, to come and teach them about faith promise giving. And I got a hold of it. I don't know if the church got it or not, but I got it. And I went back home, told my pastor about it, and we started faith promise in our church in 19... 68, I made my first faith promise commitment for $5 a week. You say, well, that didn't take much faith. I had $500 a month support working in Japan. You, you figured out whether I, it took some faith. But we gave it. And every year for 64 years, I have increased my faith promise. When I heard it, I didn't say, hey, that'd be good for people. No, no, that would be good for you. So God wants me to give him my soul. Have you? Don't gamble with your soul's destiny. You have no guarantee you'll live another day. If Christ is speaking to your heart tonight or to, uh, this morning, then you ought to come down this aisle and let somebody take their Bible, God's Word, Amen. and show you how you can know you're saved and going to heaven. Amen. Now, it would be easy to sit here today and say, you know, Brother Sis, that was uh, good what you said about tithing. Is it good for you? Hey, by the way, I could have gone out that day and said, Brother Jones, Brother Jones, you preached a good message. I, 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 I like that. And it wouldn't have done me any good. But I made a commitment. I made a commitment about my soul. I made a commitment about my faith promise. I made a commitment about my time. It'd be good for you this morning to make the commitment that you need to make. Now look at the last part of that verse. I'm going to read the whole verse again. But I want you to notice the last part. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? Now, like, for the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be given unto you. 1956, I began pastoring. Uh, Christmas time, a lady by the name of Mrs. Lynn came to Virginia and me. 
And she said, Brother Don, I want you and Miss Virginia to go to Jordan Furniture Company. I've got an account there. That was before the days of credit cards, okay? I've got an account there, and I want you to buy anything you want, anything you need. And I, I said to Ms. Lynn, about how much should we spend? It doesn't make any difference. You buy whatever you want, whatever you need. And I, I thought, that's dangerous. We're in Bible school. We need everything we see. We don't have anything. We got a refer, uh, an ice box on the back porch. You say, what's an ice box? It's a box you put ice in, okay? When the ice lasts, your refrigeration lasts. I mean, you know, we're afraid for anybody to sit on our couch. I mean, you know. Anyway, we went to Jordan Furniture Company. Two of our people worked there. We shopped probably for 45 minutes an hour, talking with them and so forth. And when we left that day, we'd made our purchase. It was a magazine rack about that long. It cost $5.95. I still have that magazine rack. It's a trophy of my stupidity. <laughs> I could have had anything I wanted. Okay? And I chose the $5.95. By the way, every time I think about that, I think, you don't have to be a $5.95 Christian. You don't have to be a $5.95 preacher, a missionary, a soul winner, a teacher. You know, it doesn't matter what you are. You don't have to. You have all of the unlimited resources of the Almighty God. In Amen. And he simply says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Listen to a great verse. Psalms 81.10. God says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. By the way, in the Old Testament, when God wanted to show what he was capable of, he'd use that. I led these two million people out of the Egyptian bondage through the Red Sea on dry ground and through the desert. In the I'm the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Now listen to it. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. In other words, Call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Don't shortchange yourself, and don't shortchange God. If you have not presented your soul to him, if you have not given your soul to him, please do that today. If you've never made a real commitment of your life to him, please do that today. If you've never given him your substance, please decide to do that today. 